I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5. We're continuing our series through uh, this book and looking, I hope, continuing to look, to seek, to ask, to pray that God would work in our lives through His Word each week as we gather uh, together and study it. We are working our way through this book. As you recall, in chapter 1, we uh, saw Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the known world of, of that day, being concerned, fearful about a growing Israelite threat. The population of the Hebrew people had multiplied uh, greatly inside this land of Egypt. They were serving as uh, slaves, as servants, but Pharaoh was concerned about an uprising that might occur, so he oppressed them greatly. And yet, in his timing, working out God's perfect plan, he was bringing to fruition His plan of redemption, of salvation through a chosen leader. God rescues that leader, Moses, from the point of death at his birth, allows him to be brought into Pharaoh's own family as Pharaoh's adopted son. Uh, This is where Pharaoh would spend, or where Moses would spend his first 40 years until he would come to such a point at age 40 where he sees one of the Egyptians. Uh, beating one of his own people and murders that Egyptian. He becomes a man on the run, then flees into the wilderness where he would spend the next 40 years of his life as a shepherd. Last week we saw, and the week before, how God then at age 80 appears to Moses in this wilderness in a phenomenal way through this burning bush with a message, and in particular we saw last week how even though Moses is resistant to going forth with God's plan, God meets him in his plan, God corrects him along the way as he's moving forward in his plan, and God even brings along a connection, another person, his brother Aaron, to walk with him and this pathway that he has for him. So we look at these verses today, we know that God has told Moses, and therefore through Moses told the people that there would be struggles along the way. But in these verses today, we see as God's bringing about his plan that the people come face to face with those struggles, and they are frustrated. Pharaoh is frustrated, not surprisingly as well, and even Moses himself becomes frustrated. And it's a good place for us, as I'm going to read these verses in a minute, For us to think about those places in our lives where we're frustrated with how God is working out his plan in our lives. I invite you to read along with me. I will read aloud and you all read silently along with me. We're actually going to start with the last three verses of chapter 4 because I think it will help set it up. Exodus chapter 4 verse 29 and then I'll read Exodus 5. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. 
But Pharaoh said, Who is this God that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make the rest of them rest from their burdens. Same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make their bricks as in the past. Let them go gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. To our God. Let heavier work be laid upon the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. The people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task at hand, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you done all, not done all of your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. Behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron. They were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And Moses turned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why have you done this evil to the people? Why did you ever send me or since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name? He has done evil to your people and you have not delivered your people at all. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we do ask that you would teach us, instruct us in our time of looking at your word now. You would lift us up to see glorious things that you have for us, even in places where those things are challenging to us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John Newton is best known as the 18th century writer of one of the most famous hymns, ever amazing grace as newton went through his life he also was used at points as a powerful and influential pastor god used him to help bring the end the abolition of the slave trade in the british empire 
Like all of us, he was certainly at points in his life frustrated with God's purposes and God's plan for him. And yet, as he wrote in that famous hymn, Through many trials, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. He was a man who understood the need to walk in regular thankfulness for God's grace to us, even in the midst of the frustrations of life. He was born, some of you may know, uh, to just his mother, who was his only parent, until age seven. His mother passed away. If you can believe this, at age 11, he went to sea involved in the international slave trade at the time. This was in the 1700s. As he was there, of course, he was involved in all that was a part of that slave trade and then, of course, involved in all that was involved in a sailor's life or typical of one at that time. And yet, in March of 1748, a huge storm arose, and that storm drove him to see his need for dependence upon Christ, and he came to a place of bowing in salvation. What's interesting is that he knew that he needed to remember that. He needed to remember God's goodness, the goodness of God's plan, because of the struggles that life brings and because of the way that tends to frustrate us. And so he had etched in the wooden mantle of his fireplace. Imagine this picture of his study and the mantle placed there over his fireplace. He had etched there the words of Deuteronomy 15.15 which in the King James Version says, Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Oh, that we would be so diligent to remind ourselves, to seek to remind ourselves to have an attitude of thankfulness for God's plan and God's purpose. How, how that would enable us so much better to overcome the frustrating parts of our lives where we get upset with God's plans and purposes. As we look at these verses today, we see everybody on the scene frustrated with God. Frustrated with the situation, to be sure, but ultimately frustrated with God and how he's carrying out his plans. Certainly, Pharaoh, as we'll see. Uh, Moses as well, and the people also frustrated with God's plan. On your bulletin, there's a section if you want to take notes, and there's a main idea there, and I think this is the main point that the Lord has for us today from these verses, and that is simply that God's plan, it's tough news to absorb, but God's plan often involves struggles for us. But He's gracious to come and help us to overcome those frustrations as we walk in the path that he has for us. So we think about these verses, think about some phrases that are familiar to us. Easy peasy, piece of cake, smooth like butter, cake walk, Smooth sailing, cruise control, 
Don't rock the boat. We like for things, myself included, to be as easy as possible, don't we? When things aren't easy, it involves more energy, it involves more effort, it involves more emotion, it involves a lot of us. And when things are easy, they're easy. We like for things to be easy and we get frustrated when they're difficult. We get frustrated because I think what has become in our mind is this philosophy. Easy equals better. And what's even scarier for us when we read the scriptures is easy equals God's plan. Easy has to equal God's plan for us in our minds. And so as a result, when things aren't easy, guess what happens? We get very, very frustrated with God. We've even taken a few Bible verses and kind of co-opted them for our purposes to kind of make us super spiritual in our quest for ease. (laughs) I know I have. One of those, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a good verse. I like to keep that one to memory. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But what we have done, at least what I do in my mind with that verse is, I've got in my picture what the desires of my heart would be how I want my life to go, how I'd like the plan to play out. So i got my desires of my heart, and then I'm going to give lip service to delighting in the Lord so that I can leverage that back, and he'll give me what I want. It's interesting, though, the verse doesn't say that. It says for us to, it calls for us to delight ourselves in the Lord, and then we'll discover, actually, that the things of the Lord are what delight us, and we'll delight in them. We've backloaded that verse. We think about those verses. We've co-opted verses like that, and yet we've kind of tossed aside some of the other passages that we don't like to hear as much about. James 1 being one of them, where we're reminded a strange phrase for us if we don't get the place of struggles in the Christian life. It says to consider it pure joy whenever we face Trials of many kinds. Romans 5, if you want to turn there briefly, if you have a Bible in hand, is another place for us that's interesting. The beginning of these verses talk about a lot of the free, the easy benefits that we get from Christ. It would seem, Romans 5, it says in verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Fantastic. We've got peace. That sounds easy. That sounds good. And it's through Jesus. We don't even have to secure it for ourselves. It goes on, verse 2. Through him we have obtained access by faith into the grace which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We've got hope. We've got reason to rejoice. It's by grace. It's easy. It comes to us. And then he slams us right in the face with this verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. What's that tell us? 
very least, it tells us, don't think that God's plan is just for everything to be easy. Now, as I say that, I realize that there are folks here today, and I, I, I really do recognize this, there are people sitting here today that are going through gut-wrenching struggles in your own personal life or in your family life or with situations you're dealing with, things that are very deep. And, of course, there are those of us here, probably many of us, who have gone through at some point in our life something of that level. So we know perhaps a little bit about struggles along God's plan. These verses remind us that we should be very careful, very careful, that we recognize that that's actually part of God's purpose and to guard our hearts against an attitude of frustration that marks the people of God in these verses. We're not going to be able to do it on our own. We've got to have God's help with it as we walk this path, as we deal with frustrations in our job, as we deal with frustrations in our marriage, as we we deal with frustrations in our lack of marriage, as we deal with frustrations with our kids, as we deal with frustrations in our lack of kids, as we deal with frustrations in every area of life, we need to be reminded God's grace is good to us. He's moving us forward in His plan. He desires us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians reminds us. So let's take a look briefly at a couple of these characters, these figures in these verses we read today and see what it teaches us about how to deal with our frustrations with God. Hopefully we're all willing to admit that we are frustrated at points with the Lord. We're not sort of sanctimoniously here pretending that we don't get upset with God or the way he's taken our lives at certain points. Take a look with me first at Pharaoh. In Exodus, back in Exodus 5, verses 1 through 4, we read, and uh, Moses and Aaron come, and they give this information. They call for the Israelites to be liberated. And Pharaoh's response is interesting. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that he gets frustrated with God because he doesn't really even believe in God. (laughs) He's a pagan. He's got no concern for God. But he's also got a lot at stake. And it's a reminder here that a lot of times the places where we get most easily frustrated with God are places where we've got ourselves heavily invested. And Pharaoh's whole kingdom, you know, the pyramids, many of them, they record, were built by these Israelite people. Those monuments to Pharaoh's greatness and to his dominance and his power were built by these people, and he's about to lose this control. He's about to lose not just a workforce, but his whole identity's wrapped up in that. That's how he maintains power. So we should look and ask ourselves at those places in our life. We look at Pharaoh and we say, well, what application is there for us from Pharaoh? He was a bad guy. We think he was a bad guy. And that's because he was a bad guy. He did some bad things. But as we look at his life, we see a hardness of heart to the things of God. And I think one of the applications we can take away today as we think about areas where we're beginning to get frustrated with God about things in our life is to guard ourselves, to pray that God would work in his life so that we don't have that hardness, that we would maintain a tenderness, a softness to the Lord. And maybe some are here today, and it would be just a prayer for you to ask. You would look at this and say, you know what, I really don't have any tenderness to God. I've really never experienced God or come to know him in any way. 
God desires for us to have a tenderness, and so maybe we could just begin, if you're in that place, to pray and ask, God, would you begin to soften my heart that I could experience you? See that from the life of Pharaoh for us. As we look at the next part of the passage, we see God's people as well. God's people are greatly frustrated. We won't read through all of this again that I just read, but look with me in particular. Uh, starting in verse 19, these foremen, these leaders of the people, kind of representing the whole attitude and posture of the people, have come out from this meeting with Pharaoh. They have been told, now look, I read this, before we look at that verse, actually I read the verses at the end of chapter 4, and I did that with a purpose, particularly verse 31 of Exodus 4. It says that the people heard what Aaron and Moses were saying about this plan that God's going to work out, and they believed they believed it and then it goes on and says that they bowed their heads and they worshiped so they're this is good news they're excited about the news they're ready for this plan to play out and then all of a sudden chapter 5 rolls around and lo and behold God's plan for salvation his plan for bringing us out his plan to rescue us it involves some significant bumps in the road They're going to have to work along the way even harder than they did before. I thought it was supposed to be easy, Lord. I thought this walk with you was supposed to be simple. Now they've got to do more. It's more difficult for them. Reading recently, I saw an old little illustration of this and how our posture is towards God. It was titled sort of a little poem. And it was titled, $3 Worth of God. $3 Worth of God. And part of it goes this way. That I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to turn my life upside down. Not enough to redirect my past. Just $3 worth of God. Just enough to fit in a little sack and take home from the store. We think about these verses. I think that tends to be my perspective towards God. I would like to just have enough of you that I need to kind of package up and take with me through this day. I don't want you to turn everything upside down. I sure don't want you to inform me that there's going to be struggles along this pathway, and so I get frustrated easily. And this bleeds over into our lives in a million ways. We desire to to climb up to heights of spiritual mountains with the Lord, but we don't want to have to put on a pack and climb up the snowy hill to get there. We want to be helicoptered in to that spiritual high. We want to be, to mix metaphors here, the lieutenant in the spiritual maturity. But we got no interest in going through a boot camp that the Lord wants to take us through to get there. We want to know more about the Scriptures and have more spiritual reality, but we don't want to go through the hard work of actually digging into a Bible study and coming to a Bible study or listening real carefully during a sermon when the preacher's not always as entertaining as we'd like for him to be. We don't want to have to do that. We want our marriages to be fulfilling and rich and rewarding. Man, we don't want to go through the hard work of forgiving, of serving, of actually loving. We'll even map it over onto the things that God calls us to in reaching out to those around us. We'd love 
for somebody to show up at our door. We know we're supposed to share the gospel with people because that's what Christians do. And we'd love for them to knock on our door, tell us they're interested about Christ, and ask us to share with them and make it real simple so they understand and then for them to respond immediately. We'd love for that to happen. But boy, we don't want to have to give up our time and energy and focus to go reach out and find the lost sheep to bring them into our home and spend time building a relationship with them or to answer tough questions or to be in an awkward situation of talking about the gospel. We don't want to have anything to do with that. We want it easy peasy. A cakewalk is what we want. That's what I want a lot of the times. I think that's what we want. And these passages remind us that God's pathway is a little bit different than that. Last thing we see in these verses is we see Moses. Okay, so we've seen Pharaoh. See how this plays out, this frustration in his life. We've seen the people, the masses, if you will. Interestingly, God cares about all the people. He's not, he's not pulling a Noah operation here and just extracting a few folks, uh, Noah and his family. He's trying to take two million plus people out. So even though these people are getting frustrated, we should remember God cares about them. He's loving enough to reach out and bring them along with his plan for them. And then we see Moses. And you see it here in verses 22 and 23. And you can say to some extent that he's just discouraged. You know, he, he thought it was going to play out differently. But if you've been here for a couple of weeks, you remember at least two times, maybe three times, God has reminded him that there would be bumps in the road along the way. Specifically, when he tells them to go speak to Pharaoh, he says there's going to be bumps. And here's Moses, a leader of God's people. And he says, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Moses is making some progress. I really think he is making some progress. But here he gets derailed, and in particular, what I want us to see, not everybody here maybe thinks of themselves as a, as a leader, but a lot of us have some scope of leadership. We're maybe the leader of our family, the head of our household. Maybe we lead in some capacity at work. Maybe we lead a, a Bible study or a men's or women's group or something like that. Some of us are called to specific leadership roles in the church where we oversee people on a worship team or people in the nursery or people in the children's or people on the setup team. Whatever scope it is, it's interesting to notice how Moses is affected and derailed by the way that the people respond. The people that he's seeking to lead are frustrated, and that bleeds up to him. And instead of standing there and saying, you know, this is God's plan, and this is God's purpose, and I'm sorry it's hard, but here's where we're headed, he turns it on the Lord. He says, I am frustrated with you, Lord. You have not done what you said you would do. We look at all of these situations as we look at Pharaoh and his desperate need for some tenderness of heart to the God, to the, the living God. As we look at the people of God and some desperate need for them to understand that there's struggles along the way, and as we look at Moses and see his desperate need to really believe the promises of God, these verses just scream to us of our need 
for the encouragement of God's grace, to be reminded of his promises, to be reminded that he's taking us along his pathway. And in a sense, I'm leaving you off sort of with bad news this week. I'm setting up Reverend Wood next week who's going to preach to us the next chapter where God's going to remind the people of his promises and his deliverance. And I won't steal his thunder, but as we finish up today, that's the solution. You want to know what to do with this frustration, with different things in your life, how God's playing it out? Remind ourselves of God's promises. Remind ourselves that He is taking us forward. He's trying to do a work in our lives now through these struggles, and He's taking us on to glory in eternity. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do praise You for this, Your Word, to us today. And, oh, Lord, we confess that we have made one massive idol out of ease and comfort. Oh, Lord, and we are so quickly frustrated, so quickly move away from you, so quickly angered, even if it's just deep below the surface, whenever things don't go the way we think they should go. And yet, Lord, we know that you, if we are in you, have claimed us for your purposes. You are taking us on your pathway. And so we know that some of those sufferings and struggles are meant to produce endurance and that endurance, perseverance, and that perseverance, hope. It's supposed to be, Lord, that you would be working us and crafting us into people that are more dependent, people that are standing more firmly in you. And so, Lord, it just screams of our need for your grace, that you would forgive us for being a people who are frustrated with you, it seems, at every turn. Lord, that you would forgive us for our great lack of thankfulness and joy in you. Lord, would you take your promises and impress them upon our heart that we might walk as those who rejoice in you. We might see frustration fade. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.